0: Well, uh, me and Marlon signed up to do this Tough Man competition. It's called A Trip in Eight Days to India and Back. Preach four times a day for four days straight and see if you can make it home alive. So we leave one month from Tuesday, and we still need about $2,000 in order to be able to do that. So uh, if you'd like to help us get there, whatever the Lord puts on your heart to give, Here's a simple way you can do that. You can grab one of these envelopes out there in the foyer. There's a drop box in the hall. Just write India across it with the amount that you're including and drop it in the drop box. And that's all locked up and the office staff will get that, help us get there. So we appreciate that. Looking forward to it. Both of us are school teachers and can only take a week to make this trip. So thus the the speedy trip to India and back. <laughs> so, when you see, when you see us and we come back from that, we'll probably look like this. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> it was really good. That's true. Andy can testify. He's been there twice and back. So, whew, mm, come on. God's up to something good. <clears throat> Did you know that you were born for one reason? To declare the works and the goodness of God. Did you know that the favor of God is on your life? Did you know that, Andy? Yeah, God's favor rests on you. His favor rests on you. And uh, I've entitled this message this morning because I like titles. I like titles and stuff. I don't, I don't know if that's a thing for you. Byron's not big on titles, but he has to come up one, with one for the website. I like titles. And uh, I call this message, Remember Your Car. Okay, Remember Your Car. And I'll explain that a little bit in a minute, but, uh, does anybody have a car that's an analogy for your life? <laughs> Everybody's automatically thinking of breaking down, you know, you're thinking of bad stuff. Man, yeah, I mean, it could be something beautiful, you know, it could be something awesome. Either way, just remember your car, but I, let me come back to that. Um, I don't know, we've been, we've been doing this series on uh, grace, foundations and grace, and, uh, Let's see, this is my second installment, I guess. Byron's done about 28 installments. No, what, about six messages or something? You got any more messages on grace to give, or is this, we moving on after this? We don't know. <laughs> Whatever the Lord wants to do. But that's kind of the topic here. That's the theme. And uh, last time, I want to remind you of one point that I made in that message called Gargantuan Grace. And that's. let's look at Romans 5 here. I'm going to jump right in to the Word here. We're going to come back to your car in just a second. And uh, this first verse, Romans 5, 1, is one of my all-time faves. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I wish it would have just put period right there, period. Peace with God, period. Verse 2 through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You know, and last time I was just making this point, I had asked the Lord a few weeks back, Lord, why does Paul shift to this great discussion about the glory of God and the righteousness found in Christ and so on and so forth, and then ruin it by talking about suffering? Just ruins the whole passage there. He goes into suffering. Who wants to hear about suffering when he's talking about this, all of this, this other good stuff? we got peace with God. And the Lord said, because, Matthew, you humans equate suffering with punishment. And the point that Paul's trying to make up to this point in Romans 5 and then on in 6 through 8 is that the punishment has already been paid. The price of your salvation, the price of your righteousness, has already been paid by Christ's blood on the cross. That's what was so controversial about, about Paul's gospel Paul's gospel. It was good news for the Christian. The good news is, you're redeemed, period. You don't have to be circumcised. It's not based on you keeping the law. You know all these other things that people were wanting to add to the requirements for salvation and to live a holy life. And last week I love Byron's thing was, I am righteous. Just tap your neighbor and say, I am righteous. And if it's your husband or wife, they're arguing right now with you. But just remind them that you are righteous. You are in right standing with the Father, period. He can't help but get excited about you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've willfully you know, committed a sin, now it matters in our lives, I'm not saying that, that's a different thing, but in terms of God's view of you, you are completely, 100%, totally in right standing with the Father, no questions asked. How many people believe that this morning? Okay, good, I think every hand went up, but I'm going to keep pressing you, no I'm not. I had several moments this week where I, had, I came to these situations in my heart, and I thought, and I even confessed with my mouth, I'm righteous. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am in right standing with God. It's such a key shift, I want to keep saying it. Because I think that we really can get it. I think we really, the Lord wants to do something with us. Now, uh, yesterday, Sarah and I were talking to a good friend of ours and she started sharing with us about this thing that was going on in her life and um, how, the, how the Lord had showed her how it related to her car. Okay, I'm not going to go back, but basically a, situa- a story that had happened with her car kind of created this analogy for what was going on in her, on her life. Okay, And then Sarah was talking to Angel Seward, the other day, and she basically started telling her the same thing. That the name of her car, the Lord started speaking to her through the name of her car. Now just think about what the name of your car is. Okay? Accord. Explorer. <laughs> what did she say? Ryan. Rondo? I thought that was a basketball player for the Celtics. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, back in 2000 and well, let's see. How many years ago? 2003. And, and nine years ago, Sarah and I had our third child. And I have a theory that huge car buying mistakes happen right around the time that couples have their third child. Because up to child number three, is this not true? Is anybody relating? Up to child three, two with two kids, you can kind of fit in whatever sedan or like we had a Volvo station wagon. When we were completely happy with the Volvo, it was a wonderful vehicle. But something shifted because she's not here. I'm going to blame it on her. Something shifted in my wife when Gabe was born, and she woke up one morning and got this wonderful flyer in the mail from a car dealership. You know those are completely legit. They care about saving you money, and so she's like, "Honey, we need to go check this out. I think, you know, the Lord. This I don't even. I'm not gonna say she said the Lord, but we need to go. So here we go. We pack up the kids. You know, put game in a stroller. First of all, don't ever go car shopping with your three little kids. That's a mistake in and of itself. But we get on to the Nissan dealership, and sure enough, we paid way too much money. For a decent used car, at least we didn't, it wasn't brand new. Um, That fortunately has paid off, but is out there in the parking lot today. I'm still driving it, this nice little Nissan Quest minivan. And, uh, I think, you know, we probably financed it for about 18 years. I can't remember. It was way beyond the normal, advised 60 months or whatever. And back in 2003, if you had good credit, they would actually do that. You know, it's just like we paid on this thing forever. And it was one of those things where after the fact, you just kind of look at each other like, we'll never do that again, you know. Well, last March, we had our sixth child. And, and with child number six, we moved into a whole other realm of cars. In fact, we started looking at each other like, you know what? When we have all six children with us in the same place, we can't even fit in that minivan we spent way too much money on. Well, God help. We need you to do something else. We started researching the largest vehicle that you can find on the road and to our, knowledge, the Ford excursion was it. So we started looking for this thing. But before we did that, we spent our Valentine's weekend on the Toyota dealership car lot in Huntersville. And instead, you know, she was very pregnant. We were due to have the baby in a couple of weeks. And instead of, like, going out on this nice weekend date, because we had an overnight thing at the Davidson Village Inn, instead of going to a movie and dinner, we went to the car lot. So first... First, we look at the brand new Toyota Sequoia. That was just perfect for us. I mean, it was just maxed out. It had enough legroom, could see eight, da 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 da. But it was way too much money, and we knew that. Then we looked at the Toyota minivan, which technically sat eight, but like eight you know what I'm saying, and I'm like, oh my goodness, one's already a teenager, I'm looking at the long haul, this is not doable, but that squeeze the turnip was about all we could afford, so you know how they do at the dealership, they sit us down, Mr. and Mrs. Bollinger, what can you pay, you know, and then he shows me the, the number for the Sequoia, and I'm like, <laughs> I can pay like under half of that, and he's like, okay, maybe we need to talk about used cars, and uh, so anyway, I just looked at Sarah. I was like, honey, listen, here's the thing. I know that God's got something for us. Let's just wait. Let's leave this place. And, sh- and you know, it's going to work out. Because I just had a sense that the Lord had favor for us, had favor for our lives, that we had kind of jumped the gun on a little bit with the purchase eight years earlier. So sure enough, a few, well, maybe a week or two later, Chuck needed me to help him get a car to a, to a mechanic, a shop in town. We drove up, and there was sitting a beautiful Ford Excursion. And it was priced $3,000 below the Kelly Blue Book. You know, about a week later, I offered him a 1000 less than that. He took it without blinking an eye. Everything just worked out. The, the little bit of money I needed to borrow, no problem. It was just all right there. Worked out, worked out, worked out. And I thought, Matthew... In your life, just remember your car. Remember how God operates in your life. I love what Byron was saying about Abraham last week. You remember how Abraham jumped the gun probably more than once, right? A few times. Yet if you read here through the early chapters of Romans, you'll see how Paul seems to conveniently forget a lot of that stuff. I mean, it's not that he, didn't, he forgot it, but he's just pointing out that he, he found favor with God, not based upon what he had done, but because he was credited as righteous. Because he believed. And as Byron linked grace with righteousness last week, this morning... I want to link in your heart grace with favor. That you have favor with God. Okay? And I want to look at two examples this morning. One from the Old Testament. One from the New. Of individuals just like us. Okay? Just like us. Sinful humans. Okay? That had the favor of God on their lives. But you may not know it. Unless they were mentioned in the Bible. Now... Here's Jesus' mission statement. Let's be reminded of this. Luke four eighteen and 19, right? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I just want to prophesy over us this morning that this is the year of the Lord's favor over your life. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus was just talking about 31 A.D.? The year 31 A.D. or whenever he made that statement. Okay guys, this is the year 31 A.D. of God's favor. No, he's not talking about just that year. He's prophesying a new era in the history of humanity. He's proclaiming that this is the new era. And under as children of the new covenant, you and I are born into the kingdom with favor on your lives. God's favor on your lives. Now let's start with the prophet Noah. okay, Or the guy Noah. I think he was a prophet. Now favor is defined in the dictionary... As something done or granted out of goodwill rather than from justice. Something granted or done out of goodwill rather than from a sense of, of justice. It's actually a synonym for grace or kindness in the scripture, is the favor of God. So, what does Romans 6 7 say? Let's go there. Our, did I say Genesis. I meant Genesis. Genesis 6, 7. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. It's a bad day. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Everybody say favor. Favor. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Are you righteous? I'm righteous, right? You found favor with God. Now, obviously, this is a day way different than ours. The wrath of God is coming down on mankind. But the New Testament tells us, Well, God said back then He would never do that again, except the rainbow in the sky. But the New Testament tells us that the wrath of God will never come down on you and I as children of God, as blood bought by the blood of Christ. So, excuse my French, come hell or high water, literally, you have found favor with God. You found favor with God. Why? Not because of a merit of your own, just like Abraham, because he screwed up a bunch of times, but because of the righteousness found in him. There is wrath coming, you know, whenever that is, Scott. You know, it's the wrath of God will be unleashed sometime in a period that I'm not going to try to predict. (laughs) But because of the blood of Christ, it's not destined for you. Like, like the Lord said in that Romans 5 verse is we equate suffering with punishment. So because many people are going through hard times and there's challenging circumstances, you just automatically in your heart at least said, Oh man, I'm in trouble now. I know, Lord, I haven't quite done it right. Oh God. And we want to, we want to begin to grovel at His feet. And God's saying, listen, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my kid, I love you, period. Rest in this. Noah means rest. So point, the first thing I got written down here is favor is found in rest. What kind of rest? In the Sabbath rest, not on Sunday, but the continual rest even when you're working. That rest that you find in his presence That rest that you obtain, just like we did this morning, as we just take a moment. Yeah, you can just feel it as you talk about it. You just feel that rest. It's just that peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, I heard my favorite preacher say last week, if you want the peace that passes understanding, you got to give up your right to understand. (laughs) That's good, isn't it? If you want the peace that surpasses understanding, give up your right to understand. That's the rest of God. And in that place of rest, we walk into his favor. Remember my car. I walk into a place place of rest. I look at Sarah Ruth and I say, babe, God's got something for us. Let's just hold off. Let's don't strive here. You know, let's don't give birth to a Hagar. Let's just rest in him. And we walk right into that favor. Okay, now if you need this message this morning, so do I. I am preaching this message primarily for Matthew Bollinger. Okay, the favor of God is on our lives. Amen. Point number two. Wait, let me read Romans 3.21-24 and because 24, 24, this, this is that righteousness and that favor that I'm talking about. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him, oh I left off there didn't I? Yeah, that came by Christ Jesus. So it's a free thing. That favor is found free in Him through His righteousness on our lives. Point number two. Favor lives without fear of God's wrath, but confidence in the love of the Father. Favor lives without fear of God's wrath, but confidence in the love of the Father. You know, I'm a lot less prone to stop pushing for that car if I have this fear in my heart that if I don't something bad's gonna happen well if you don't buy that then like the car salesman tells me you're never gonna get another car like you know whatever it is whatever that stupid lie is that comes into your heart that makes that causes us to want to strive to want to press in to want to work harder to please God That's the thing that gets us out of the favor of God. And I realized in a discussion with a friend this week that whenever we get into a circumstance where we we get out of that rest, we get out of that favor, or we just don't feel like there's God's favor in our lives, then we can start to think, which is where our belief comes from, we can start to think and believe in our hearts that we don't have favor. Maybe I used to have favor, but I just don't have favor anymore. I just lost the favor of God. And before you know it, if you keep down that rabbit trail, it become, you create your own reality. It starts becoming like the way that other people treat you. It starts becoming this atmosphere around you. Now, if you feel like you're in this place, don't worry, it's not too late. God's got you here this morning for a reason to break off that dark cloud of self condemnation, of self hatred, of accusation, and just break that disfavor off of you so that the blessings and the favor of God continually be released in your life. Because whatever your circumstance is, get up in the morning and say, I am the righteousness of Christ, and I found favor in his eyes. I have favor where my feet travel, I'm going to walk into favor. Romans 5.8 says this, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? You know, I, I know people who have really messed up and they think that it's just too late for them. They think that, you know, I mean, I've seen people over and over again. You know, you have to, throughout the years. It's like, no. Luke four eighteen and 19 is your mission statement. The Spirit of God is on you. And it's not coming off. It's not going away. I love what, what David says in Psalm 5. Just to pull out a little Psalm from Psalm five twelve here. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Yeah, there is a 24 or a 360 degree shield around you, and that shield is called God's favor. Isn't that awesome? What an awesome picture. It's the favor of God. Nothing can penetrate this shield. Even my circumstances can't penetrate this shield because it's the favor of God. I have found favor in His eyes. You know, sometimes you got to laugh. To you know, the Proverbs says that laughter is like medicine. And bitterness is actually eat your bones. Bitterness eats your bones. You know, married couples, have you ever been in a situation where you just had to laugh? It's like, I don't know how we're working this one out, but I'm, somehow we gotta figure out how to laugh. Maybe not about the issue, but I remember one time, Sarah and I were on one of those kind of like, you know, standoffs, and we put this movie on. And I've, I mean it was one of those times where I literally almost fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard. And it's not like we had to work out the issue later. It's not that that's dealt with, and it's not like you sweep it under the rug. But sometimes laughter in your heart can just bring healing to your soul. Because what happens in bitterness and disappointment and stuff is you just, you're there's a disease in your soul realm. You know, and you just need that medicine of the love and the joy of God to just come and lift you up. I believe somebody's getting something this morning. Favor, number three. Number one was favor is found in rest. Number two, favor lives without fear of God's wrath, but confidence in His love. And number three, favor lives and grows inside of you. Now think about Mary. Okay, and this is Luke one twenty six. Think about Mary. What happens to this lowly teenager? In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now look at her response. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. I mean, Does anybody feel that way? Like if an angel walked up to you this morning and was like, Greetings, you highly favored one archer of God. You know, you'd be like, Who are you talking to? Me? I'm favored? Now look what he says next. But the angel said to her, there's no fear. But do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And this is what God's saying to you this morning. No matter how you see yourself, no matter what you've done, or how bad it's going wrong, or how, bad, how good it's going right, for that matter, you have found favor. Because really, In the high times, when the sky is the limit and you're on top of the world, really, you need to remember this as much as in the low times. Because at that point, you're in danger of that pride, right? And it's just by the grace and the favor of God that you are where you are, good and bad, no matter what. And then, you know, that baby that was born out of her womb, after, I think, You know, before he starts ministering at age 30, we just have that one glimpse at age 12. And after that story, where they can't find Jesus and everything, and they find him ministering in the temple, and he's like, i got to be about my father's business. How does Luke conclude that passage? It's in Luke 2.52. Let's look at that. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So favor... Well... Doesn't grace grow in you? Like don't you have the sense that this is like this tree growing in you and it's called grace. It's like this growing tree and all you can tell people is the more it grows, the better your life becomes. Maybe not on the outside but on your inner life. The greater that tree grows, it's like there's beautiful fruit that can come about in it, and it's called grace. Well, I think favor is that synonym for grace. It's that, that favor, just like the baby Jesus grew in Mary's womb, and she was highly favored, and he was favored. That favor is like a baby growing in your womb, even for men. A baby is growing, and it's called favor, and it will yield, like Psalm 1, it will y- yield that peaceable fruit of righteousness in our lives. All right. Praise the Lord. Final thoughts here our thoughts and words create our reality, favor grows. And we see ourselves the way our Father sees us. And we'll act accordingly. See, that's the whole thing. Is at the risk of redundancy, we kind of keep repeating ourselves because what experience tells us, even you know, for me, as much as for you, that as much as we can know these foundations about grace life happens. And when life happens, life can be contrary to those rhythms of grace that we were born for because we get caught in living and responding in this reality rather than living from heavenly places where grace and favor is born from. And so, this morning, I just want to pray for anybody who just feels... That cloud of disfavor on your life. And I before I pray for you, I just want to repeat this. I want to remind you that it's not you. It's not who you are. It's not how God burst you. Now, you and I surely we have done some things wrong. I jumped the gun on that car, I'm still driving it, it's paid off now. Abraham jumped the gun with Hagar, he still got the reward, right? Why? Because he believed. He didn't stop believing. Okay, so will you stand with me this morning, and we're just, don't take this in a negative way, but I'm just doing business with God here this morning. Because he's so good. And all during worship, all I wanted to do was laugh. I thought I was going to get up here all drunk in the spirit or something. Because the Lord is so good. His favor is so rich. His smile is so big when he looks at you. So right now, let's just do business with God. Let's just jump into his arms. And we take authority over every spirit of condemnation. In the name of Jesus, we command you to be removed. Dark clouds of disfavor, we break your hold right now. In the name of Jesus. Clouds of righteousness. Clouds of God's glory. Clouds of God's rest. Just lift your hands and receive those this morning. We receive the Sabbath rest of our Father. We receive the goodness of our King. We receive the love of our Dad. Because He's created us in His image. To walk according to His likeness. To be with Him in His goodness, in His glory. We just thank You and we receive that this morning. In Jesus' name.
1: If anybody needs prayer this morning, uh, we can get some people up here to pray. We want to pray for the sick. You know, the Lord is good. It's in His heart to heal us. And I really feel like this. This message is awesome because, do you know, it's the great battle over God's goodness and His favor toward us. That's right. There's a whole line of theology out there about God's disfavor and no goodness, and He's good. And it's what we contend for in healing especially. A healing, it's just key. What we believe rules us. If we don't believe that it's in the heart of God and He's good, that He wants to heal us, then how can we obtain faith for healing? So this morning, come on and believe. Stand. God's got favor. He's got goodness for us. So if you're sick, step out and let us pray for you. Here's the thing, too, is we're not going to pray for you to get healed. We're going to the, we're gonna speak right. to your healing. Yeah, right. We're going to speak it for us. That's, right. that's what we're going to do. So yeah, come right. on. We're going to pray for you. And if you need breakthrough over this thing about God's goodness, I tell you, when you're in the midst of troubles, the enemy wants to hammer you with God's not good, okay? We want to break that thing off of each other. Let's go for that this morning too and breaking that off. So we need prayer people up here if you would come up and let's uh, pray, I want to pray for you. So thank you Lord, that's an awesome message this morning. Thank you Lord. I, I felt something on that condemnation too. If there are people battling condemnation, we just want to go for that this morning too and pray for you. There is no condemnation. In Christ we just don't walk in that any longer. Mm. Just wanna break that heaviness off this morning too. Lord. Mm. Just break that heaviness. Heavy yokes. Ho you need prayer, bunny? Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.